48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Todd Harding. The headlines. Electoral officials refuse to give the needy and elderly voting priority for the upcoming LegCo elections. An infectious diseases expert urges the government to tighten entry requirements for anybody who's recently been to Beijing. And the education sector lawmaker questions the attitude of the Education Bureau towards students who've been arrested. Electoral officials have ignored demands from the government and pro-Beijing parties to give priority to elderly and needy people in voting for legislative council elections. Opponents said that would allow the elderly to jump the queue. Damon Pang reports. The perception is that older voters tend to support the government, and some have said they gave up on voting in November's district council elections after seeing the long queues. The Electoral Affairs Commission says for the sake of fairness and equality, every voter will have to line up. It's adopting the arrangement for November's polls when the elderly, pregnant women and the disabled were given a seat while waiting. The commission is also trying to reduce overall waiting time with measures, including having more desks hand out ballot papers during peak hours. In an updated set of LegCo election guidelines, the EAC also says it wants more order when votes are being counted. It says if someone shouts, counting will be suspended and disruptive persons removed. Democratic Party Chairman Wu Chi-Wai welcomes the Electoral Affairs Commission's arrangements for the upcoming LegCo elections, saying the Commission has used common sense and followed past practice. He thinks it's more appropriate for election officers to have discretion in deciding whether to offer special arrangements for the needy, instead of giving them priority to cast their votes. When there's a needy, that they need to have special arrangement, return officer can make use of his discretion power to arrange a way that can help the needy to get in to vote effectively. So I think the past method to operate the polling station has already been proved it is an appropriate way to do so. So the decision made is basically go back to the normal and common sense patterns. But the DAB has condemned the Electoral Affairs Commission's arrangements, saying it's extremely disappointed that the Commission has failed to address problems with last November's district council elections. The party had previously called on the Commission to allow the elderly, disabled people and pregnant women to cast their votes first, saying many of them had waited for hours last time due to a high voter turnout. The party accused the Commission of being irresponsible, saying it will have to bear the greatest responsibility if the election turns out to be unfair. Here's DAB Chairwoman Starry Lee. They ignore what was happened last year, where right? we all understand that there are a lot of uh, uh, criticism about the arrangement of the election, but I, can't, I, I cannot see they respond to any of this. A Hong Kong microbiologist is urging the government here to tighten entry requirements for people who've recently been to Beijing. It comes as Beijing confirmed another 21 coronavirus cases, down from 31 a day earlier. The total number of infections in its latest local cluster has risen to almost 160 over the past week. Ho Pak Leung from the University of Hong Kong says the practice of testing and clearing airport arrivals before they do home quarantine should also apply at land borders for people who've recently visited the capital instead of just handing them a home testing kit. He also says those people who've been given quarantine exemption should have this revoked. Education sector lawmaker Ip Kin Yun has questioned whether the Education Bureau wants to support schools or monitor them after authorities issued a letter to high schools asking them to report how they followed up on students who were arrested or charged since last year's protests. The letter said schools should customise a long-term guidance and discipline plan for relevant students. 
to teach them correct values and to abide by the law. Mr Yip says what the EDB did is not helpful and schools have always been supporting these students. There has been abuse in arresting students and other people. Secondly, this is a kind of political expression and is different from ordinary type of crime. These kind of collection of data might be useful in some way, but I think more important is to provide real support. But if the Education Bureau is aiming at trying to monitor the schools through these kind of forms to check whether the schools are doing what the Education Bureau is expecting them to do, this can be very negative. Around 1,600 students under 18 have been arrested since last June. The foreign ministry says the mainland's top diplomat, Yang Jiechi, has told U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo Washington must stop interfering in Hong Kong. At a meeting in Hawaii, Mr. Yang said the U.S. needs to respect Beijing's positions on key issues, halt its interference in issues such as Hong Kong, Taiwan and Xinjiang, and work to repair bilateral relations. Mr. Young, the director of the Office of Foreign Affairs, told Mr. Pompeo Beijing resolutely objects to a statement issued by G7 nations calling for a rethink of the planned national security legislation for Hong Kong. Earlier, G7 foreign ministers issued a strongly worded statement urging Beijing to reverse its decision to impose a national security law in Hong Kong. Steve Dunthorne reports. The G7 ministers expressed grave concerns about the national security law, saying it did not conform with the basic law, nor the principles of the legally binding UN-registered Sino-British Joint Declaration. They said they were also extremely concerned that this action would curtail and threaten the fundamental rights and freedoms of Hong Kong people who are protected by the rule of law and the independent justice system. The statement was issued shortly before 3 o'clock this morning, minutes before one of the signatories, the US Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, began key talks with Yang Jiechi, China's most senior diplomat. The National People's Congress Standing Committee has begun a three-day meeting in Beijing, but it's unclear if the national security law for Hong Kong is on the agenda. The director of Beijing's Basic Law Committee, Shen Chunyao, didn't respond to questions on whether an extra session would be held to vet the law. He also didn't say if suspects would be brought to the mainland for trial. The central government earlier said it had adjusted legislative plans, saying drafting work on Hong Kong's national security law should be sped up. Beijing has criticised a new US law that would sanction Chinese officials over the mass incarceration of Uyghurs and other Muslim minorities, saying it maliciously attacks China's policy in Xinjiang. The foreign ministry said China would resolutely hit back and the US would bear the burden of all subsequent consequences. The law President Trump signed this morning requires Washington to sanction Chinese officials responsible for the oppression. An overwhelming majority of local journalists say the upcoming national security law will seriously affect press freedom, and some even say they'll consider quitting the industry after the legislation is passed. That's according to a poll of 150 members by the Journalists Association. The association's chair, Chris Young, says the scope of the law is so wide that it will affect the day-to-day operations of the media and put journalists' personal safety at risk. Issues like, say, calls for the British government to, say, give the right of residence to Hong Kong residents in case Hong Kong people need it. Will it be considered as a case of, say, inviting foreign interference in Hong Kong affairs? And if media do stories about that, will that be seen as spreading or inciting those crimes 
So reporters who do those stories or editors who publish those stories could be liable. A study by researchers at the Chinese University has found that people's housing burden directly affects their mental and physical health. They surveyed close to 2,000 Hong Kong people and studied the relationship between their health and the money they were left with after they paid their rent or mortgage. Professor Nork Chung, who led the study, says the government should recognise high housing prices as a health problem. Well, just looking at housing affordability alone, just because of housing affordability, nothing about deprivation or income or uh, your education or your age and sex. And we control for all those, right? Age and sex and marital status and deprivation, housing type or, you know, how many people are actually in the household or the living area per capita or nothing about your lifestyle. So we take all of those away still. Just looking at housing affordability is going to affect your health. That is a powerful message, actually. Hong Kong Disneyland has reopened after months of closure because of the coronavirus. Around a dozen excited visitors lined up outside the park ahead of its opening, with some saying they were looking forward to seeing the performances. The theme park is running at a reduced capacity, with guests having to pre-book their visit. Disney will enforce social distancing measures inside and has suspended the parade, as well as photo opportunities with Disney characters. People must make a health declaration, undergo temperature screening and wear a face mask in the park. The former U.S. National Security Advisor John Bolton has alleged in a new book about his experiences in the White House that President Trump approached President Xi Jinping for help to win re-election. Here's the BBC's Anthony Zercher. In his nearly 600-page book, John Bolton offers anecdotes and accounts of a president he says is uninterested in the details of governing and focused on using foreign policy to advance his domestic political agenda. The senior aide describes June 2019 talks between Mr. Trump and Chinese President Xi Jinping, during which he says the U.S. president asked China to increase agricultural purchases in order to help him win re-election. The White House has said Bolton's book contains classified information and shouldn't be released, but it appears the political damage from its contents may be unavoidable. New research by the University of Queensland indicates that giant footprints found in a disused mine belong to Australia's biggest predatory dinosaur. Paleontologists have established the footprints are up to 150 million years old. The BBC's Phil Mercer reports from Sydney. The footprints suggest a dinosaur almost as big as a Tyrannosaurus rex once roamed Australia. Analysis by the University of Queensland estimates this huge meat-eating predator was about 10 metres long and 3 metres tall. The tracks were found in the ceilings of old coal mines in the 1950s, but were only recently scientifically examined. Queensland has been a trove for paleontologists. Fossils indicate it was home to an Ankylosaurus, which was covered in bony armour to protect it from carnivores. Finance news now. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 24,438. That's 41 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $66 billion. To currencies, the US dollar is trading at 106.86 yen. The euro is standing at 1 US dollar and 12 cents. And the pound is worth 9 Hong Kong dollars and 72 cents. Now with the sports news, here's Adam Jung.
English Premier League football is back, and on the first night of restart, second place Manchester City brushed aside 10-man Arsenal with a 3-0 win in an empty Etihad Stadium. Raheem Sterling opened scoring with his first goal of 2020. That was followed by a Kevin De Bruyne penalty and a Phil Foden goal in added time. It was a miserable night for Arsenal. They lost midfielder Granit Xhaka and defender Pablo Mari to injury in the first 20 minutes and were shorthanded for most of the second half after David Luiz got sent off. It was the first competitive action for both teams after the Premier League suspended its fixtures in March because of the coronavirus. City boss Pep Guardiola says many people deserve credit for organizing a safe resumption of the season. We feel safe, so I think the Premier League has done an incredible job and all the people workers here in Manchester City, you cannot imagine... A uh, few people work a lot for a lot of people. And uh, yeah, we feel safe. It just is weird. So we miss a lot uh, the people. Playing football without, uh, you know, without people is, is strange. So of course we have to do it right now because the government said, uh, the NHS and the people, the scientists say we can do it. But in the same time, you have to be careful because I have the feeling the virus is, the virus is still here. City's winning return means Liverpool remain two wins away from wrapping up the league title. They're away to Everton on Sunday before hosting Crystal Palace next Wednesday. In the first game, Aston Villa and Sheffield United finished nil-nil at Villa Park, but there should have been a goal if not for a mistake by the officials. The BBC's Paul Saris reports. The Premier League's first match following a 100-day sabbatical due to the coronavirus pandemic finished goalless between Aston Villa and Sheffield United, but wasn't without controversy. The visitors thought they had taken the lead when Villa keeper Oyen Narland seemed to carry the ball beyond the goal line after claiming Oliver Norwood's free kick, but referee Michael Oliver did not receive a signal to indicate a goal. Technology providers Hawkeye unreservedly apologised after the game and acknowledged the ball had crossed the line. Sheffield United boss Chris Wilder says it wasn't the first time his team had to suffer from a blown call. Just not surprised really. Uh, things have gone against us and this uh, tops a lot this season. Um, who's to say it decides the result but it goes a long way. First goal is so important in the Premier League. We can't be getting those decisions wrong and, uh, and yet again it's, it's, it's happened to Sheffield United. Elsewhere, Napoli have captured their sixth Italian Cup. They beat Juventus on penalties following a nil-nil draw. In Spain, Atletico Madrid are back into La Liga's top four after a 5-0 thrashing of Osasuna. Real Sociedad can regain fourth place tonight if they win at Alaves. And that's your look at sports. Thanks, Adam. To end the news, the top stories once again. Electoral officials refuse to give the needy and elderly voting priority for the upcoming LegCo elections. And an infectious diseases expert urges the government to tighten entry requirements for anybody who's recently been to Beijing. The news from RTHK.
laughed until we cried. Now I'm breaking at the seams, dropping to my knees. Nothing left of me, no. Black stone turned into dust. My heart wasn't enough. So far from where I used to be, when she was mine. Everything was easy. Everything was simple. Never felt so good when she was mine. I wanted to remember. Never missed a second. Now I wish I could forget. Forget that she was mine, mine, yeah. She was mine, mine, yeah. She was mine. Wonder if she's out there. Wonder where she goes. She goes. Yeah. Wonder what she's doing without ever knowing. Yeah. Everything was easy. Everything was simple. Never felt so good when she was mine. I wanted to remember. Never missed a second. Now I wish I could forget. Forget that she was mine. Mine. Yeah. She was mine. Mine. Yeah. Down on my knees. Gotta see her. Gotta see her. Gotta see her. Try to get but I need her. But I need her. She need us. Down on my knees. Gotta see her. Gotta see her. Gotta see her. Good afternoon and welcome to the One Two Three Show with me, Noreen Mir, this Thursday afternoon. You're listening to RTHK Radio Three this Thursday afternoon, and it's the 18th of June. First of all, many thanks to Phil for the morning brew. And I do want to extend an apology from yesterday's program. We weren't able to bring you Cruzan McCalligan's audio column. Apologies for that. Something had happened to our playout system. Actually, it was the whole of RTHK. We got. The network was down, I was told. So um, it's a pre-recorded segment. Unfortunately, today's program is also full, but I promise you we will bring you Cruzy's uh, audio column and next Monday, uh, which is all about the Mona Lisa. So please, uh, please remember to tune in uh, then again uh, for Cruzy's uh, audio column.